Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The book of 2 Samuel chapter 23, if you'll join me there. Today we are celebrating with several families who... I have young people that are, some, Corey graduated Friday night, JT and Jerrica are to graduate in just a few days this coming Friday night, and so we want to honor our graduates today. It's already been mentioned in our service that we're having our dinner after church and uh, a few things to just say thank you and congratulate them on their way. And um, so some of my comments today are certainly directed at them, but I am not just preaching to them single-handedly, but I want there to be an overarching reach of the Word of God to touch us. Uh, We're not going out into deep water today, but we are going to stand on truth. And so let's pray that the Spirit of God will help us to embrace the value of the truth of His Word. In the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 23, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, Yet he hath made me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. I want to speak today from this simple subject, and I want to certainly address in the beginning our graduates. I want to speak from this subject, don't forget David, whatever you do. Don't forget David. In his life, woven into his life, are many powerful principles that I think will help all of us in our walk with God. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. This passage opens by informing us that these are the last words of David. We shouldn't be confused by that, although it is a little confusing. These are not deathbed words. We find that a little later, another chapter or so away. But these are the last inspired words or the last psalm, I think maybe the best way to put that. The passage actually refers to the last words that were spoken by David as the mouthpiece of the Lord under his anointing. 
David was called by God to be a psalmist of Israel and and uh, in that, that job description, so to speak, was to sing, write psalms and sing for worship, uh, psalms for meditation. But all of them were given under the inspiration of the Spirit and under the direction of the hand of God. David never ceased to marvel, even in his last words. David never ceased to marvel that God would call him to become the king of Israel and to lead God's people and to fight God's battles and even help him to write his own word. David never lost the awe of that or the wonder of that. And I say that so very often. And I say it sincerely. It is my prayer that I don't want to become so accustomed to the power and the presence of God that I lose the awe and the wonder of being in his presence. I'm telling you, when the Spirit of God is present, I don't want these arms to be folded in an uninterested and an unimpressed posture. I don't want anybody to have to admonish me, come on now, come on now, come on now. Amen, I don't ever wanna lose the wonder of this. And David never lost the wonder that, that God would take such a common person and he would call him to, to be the king of Israel, to lead his very own elect, fight battles, and, and to write his word. It was through David's descendants that God brought the Messiah into the world. And, and so from the human point of view, David was a nobody. And that is, uh, that is as plain as I know how to put it. David was a nobody from nowhere. A shepherd on the backside of the mountain that didn't even garner enough forethought in the mind of his own father. When the prophet came by asking for a son to anoint to be the king of Israel, after exhausting all that was there, he said, is there none else of the house of Jesse that's left? Well, there, there is one. I mean, that has to make you feel special. That's almost as bad as the parents that have left their sleeping children at church. <laughs> We try to make note of that, and when they turn 18, remind them of that because we certainly want them to always hold on to that. Yeah, I'm teasing. But David was a, a nobody. He was no, no one. The youngest of eight, just from an ordinary family, he was just not anyone that would have stood out in the crowd. He, he was just a common, everyday person. Nevertheless, God selected him and, and anointed him to be the king of Israel. David didn't promote himself to achieve this greatness. He didn't try to always sit on the front row and garner the attention of everyone. He just was David. And just in being David alone, it was enough. It was the Lord who chose him. It was the Lord who elevated him. He didn't assert himself. He didn't try to, uh, he didn't try to make room for his own gifts. But the Bible teaches us that the gift and call of God is without repentance. It also teaches us that, every, that our gift and call will make room for itself. And so we know that God can and will. The Lord spent many years training David, first with the sheep and the pastures and then with Saul in the, in the army camp and finally with his own fighting men in the Judean wilderness. And so David did not rise uh, arbitrarily to the seat of the kingship. He, this was not just a leaf blowing in the wind 
that happened to wind up at a certain place at a certain time. But God spent many years pouring into him and teaching him and training him. And so I would say not only to our graduates today, but to everybody that is sitting here, that great leaders have always been trained in private before they go to work in public. God is going to teach them and train them, and God is going to hone them. God will mold their lives many, many times in secret before it is ever made public. One writer said, talents are best nurtured in solitude and character is best formed in the stormy billows of this world. David had both. He had been faithful in private as a servant. When no one was there to acknowledge him, when no one was there to recognize him or to sing his praises, David was faithfully tending sheep out of the sight of common man. But it was there with harp in hand that he began to write some of the psalms that we hold on to and cherish today. He wasn't doing that for the applause of men. He wasn't doing that so that someone would call his name. He certainly wasn't doing that so he would find his, a book uh, with, that he authored in the Word of God. No, it was none of the above. He just did that because it came so natural. It flowed from him. Amen. I feel confident that there are countless lessons that we could learn from the life of David. I would not even attempt to name them one by one, would not even be presumptuous enough to think that I would know them one by one. But there are a few things that I would like to focus on today. Amen. While we honor, as I mentioned a moment ago, those that are graduating, I want to also reach beyond just these. So please don't just charge everything uh, or discount rather everything that I'm saying. I want everybody to receive something here today. Amen. <clears throat> The Word of God, we often talk about obstacles that youth face. It's already been mentioned in this service today. To be sure, these obstacles are real and not imagined. And I do believe, I certainly do believe that our, the youth of our day face things that others have not faced. That, that, that does put them in a unique category to some degree. But I also have to understand and reiterate that this is not the first generation that will face hardships. And this is not the first generation that will have to stand for something. Amen. Someone said once, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And so you got to stand. And it's not always easy to stand. And I'll say this to you today unequivocally, that often when you stand, you may find yourself standing alone. Or you certainly may find yourself standing in a slim crowd. Because not everybody wants to stand. Most people want to just ride along with the mainstream. Every generation before us has had to face circumstances that were unique to their day. That's why the Apostle Paul admonished every one of us to run the race that is set before us. And so what was a temptation for the 21st century teenager was certainly not the same temptations to some degree that others decades before them have faced, but they are there, temptations along the way. Therefore, we must embrace the hour in which we live and we must decide that we can and that we will make a difference in our world. I want to draw a few things from David. I trust will encourage uh, everyone in this building today. One of the things that I am encouraged about in the life of David is the fact that if there is no other example, there are, but if there were no other examples in the Word of God, we certainly have a shining example of the fact that God can use the young. 
and not in some secondary fashion. Not just use the young to serve on the, uh, in, in the shadows, but God can take young men and young women and he can use them to do mighty things. David was courageous even as a young man. He was courageous. He took a stand against Goliath who was the known enemy of his day. I realize these are Sunday school stories for the most part. Though Goliath was a seasoned warrior with a great reputation, David would not allow Goliath or I believe anyone else to stand and mock and defy the armies of his God. In 1 Samuel 17, 26, David asked a profound question. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That sounds like the words of a four or five star general. That sounds like the words of a man that is seasoned in battle. But he was just a teenage boy holding a sack lunch in his hands. He was there oblivious to what was really going on until that very moment. But he asked a question, a young man to grown men. A man unskilled, he looked into the eyes of men of war and men of valor. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? And so I want to encourage our young people, all of them, not just our graduates, but all of them. You don't have to wait until the end of your life to do something powerful and significant for God. Amen. David was not intimidated, not because of the fabric he was cut out of. He was simply not intimidated because he had greater faith in God than he did himself. In addition to his great faith, he was also humble. He was humble enough to be used by God to save a nation. This young man took things that were necessary into this battle. He took necessary things into the battle. He had a sling. You know, he had five smooth stones. And he had the confidence of a man on a mission for his God. And so if we can just have what we have, if we can bring what we have. Now, a sling and a few stones wasn't a lot to bring into that particular battle. But he understood this. He was a man on a mission. A young man, but he was a man on a mission for a great God. There were things, these were the things most important to David. And so I would say to you today to take what you have and march boldly and triumphantly into the battle. He was holding a sling while others were holding weapons of war. He was holding just a sling and a few stones and that looked like it was insignificant against what others were holding in their hands. He had no armor, he had no shield, he had no sword, he had no skill, he had nothing to rely on, but he took what he had and God placed it, he put that in the hand of God and God anointed what he had. I'm thankful that God has anointed the slings of our life, aren't you? I thank God that he's anointed the, the insignificant in my hand from time to time and in your hand, hallelujah. Before Goliath got within range to strike David, David launched a stone. Believe it how you will, but I believe that God directed that stone to a vulnerable place. I believe the Lord said, I'm gonna put it down on a level where you can handle him. And when he hit him and, and Goliath fell, it was there that David took his own sword and cut off his head. This was all he needed. This was all that needed to happen now to set the enemy at flight. Amen. Their greatest warrior, their loudest mouth, so to speak, now lay dead decapitated, bleeding, amen, blood trickling down and now they realize that with all of the courage they had a moment ago, fear has now taken its place. 
While standing in the center of God's will, David lost his fear and became empowered by the very Spirit of God. Remember that this great victory occurred while David was still just a young man. And so that's why we as a church place so much emphasis on our youth. We see the importance of having an active and a, and a spiritual Sunday school department. We see the importance of children's church. As I often say, it's not just daycare. So our adults can come and enjoy the service, but they are learning powerful principles of God's word. Children's Bible studies and Bible quizzing and student ministries and the list could go on and on and on and on. That's why every year we're standing behind this pulpit, me and other leaders, and we're saying we need to make sure that our children are in youth camp. Why? Because they're gonna get something there that can impact their life for the rest of their life. They can get something there where they can be ministered to on their level. We don't wanna just take them to a meeting where somebody's trying to preach from eight years old to 80 years old and hope that something just sprinkles out in their mind and heart. But we want somebody to be able to zero in in their life to the issues that they are facing and minister to them right where they are. And the reason for that is because we see them for what they are. We see them for what they are. I've said this often and I don't want anybody to take this out of context, but I would rather have a few marks on the wall. I'd rather have a few hedges that's got a footprint in it. I'd rather have a few things around here that need to be repaired than to not have any children. Amen. We're gonna teach them to respect the house of God and we're gonna teach them all that we can about the house of God. We're gonna teach them how to conduct themselves. We have, uh, we have something in place right now where they're having children's church on some Wednesday nights and then on some Wednesday nights they're coming in here with us. You know why? Because their teachers want them to see how to get along in the big church. That's what they call it. Amen, how to, how to conduct themselves in the big church. And you know what? Sometimes children are gonna cry out and sometimes they're gonna scream and sometimes they're gonna do all the things their parents never, ever, ever wanted them to do. But just keep on sailing. Just keep on riding. Amen, if they start crying... <clears throat> If they start crying, I'll just preach louder. Amen. If they start crying and the parents have to walk out 16 times, stop counting. Amen. Let's stay. Why? Because we see them for what they are. They are not the church of tomorrow. They are not the church of the sweet by and by. They are not the church of just over the next hill, but they are the church of today. Amen, they are impacting lives and their lives are being changed. And so I don't want to ever forget that it was a young boy that walked out there and saved the nation. I don't ever want to forget that it was just a young child in the minds of most of us here today that made an indelible difference. I really want to underline the fact that young people can be mightily used of God. And hear me when I say it. You don't have to wreck your life with sin and debauchery. You don't have to run aground. You don't have to run ashore. But you can live for God. You can stay pure. You can stay moral. You can say wholesome. Hallelujah. Hear me today. Hear me today. I know that we live in a very promiscuous world where almost anything goes, but I believe, I still believe that virgin men and virgin women can stand at an altar of matrimony. That's not too old timey, is it? 
Amen. I believe that virgin men and virgin women can stand in an altar of matrimony with their lives untouched and unscarred by sin. I believe that men can live and men women can live for God without ever having tasted a lot of things of this world. Amen. It can happen. It can happen. Don't forget David. Don't forget David. We can live a life above reproach and we can do something and we can invest in something that will have eternal value. Nothing else, <clears throat> nothing else that we need to take away from the life of David. Amen. There's nothing else that we need rather than to look into the life of David and realize that here is a man who is leaving an indelible print in the sand. I wouldn't be ashamed to put my foot where his foot had been. I wouldn't be ashamed to step where he is standing right now. Something else that we need to realize about the life of David is that nobody, nobody, but nobody can stop the hand of God. If God has a plan for your life, you can be born with all the disadvantages that life can throw your way. You can have all, you can have all kind of things that come against you and, and, and befall you. I'll hear, hear me today when I tell you that men may have the ability to frustrate the will of God. Mankind may have the ability to frustrate the will of God, but man cannot stop the will of God. Try as he may, King Saul was unable to stop the anointing that God had placed on young David. Amen. Saul tried to kill him on many occasions, and I don't want to belabor the issue to you who know the story so well. There, we know there were multiple times that David was playing his harp in an effort to soothe the evil spirit within Saul. And Saul would not hear to it, but rather picked up the javelin and tried to kill him himself. David ran for his life. Another time Saul told his son, Jonathan, and his servants to kill David. But instead, God had put favor between David and Jonathan. And Jonathan intervened and became a peacemaker for David and Saul. So everything is supposedly made right. And David begins to play the harp again. One more time, Saul tries to take him out. This time, David ran one more time. Saul dispatched now another time messengers to watch him and kill him in his own bed. But God had another hand of mercy. God had another plan of intervention. This time it was Saul's daughter, who was David's wife, Michael, that, that came to his aid. She deceived her father and the messenger so that David could escape. Hallelujah. Her father was so disappointed. He couldn't believe that his own daughter would turn her back on him. On multiple occasions, David found Saul in a vulnerable position and could have taken him out. If you know the story, you know I'm right. With Saul out of the picture at that very moment, David could have rose to the throne, but he chose a different plan. A young man chose a different plan. He, would, he in a self-imposed exile, preserved his life, and he preserved the life of Saul. David lived in a land of his enemies for a year or over a year. Wisely, he was waiting for God to take revenge. He was waiting for the vengeance of God. And so hear me today, when the world comes against you, when situations come against you, you can take up your own sword and fight your own battle, or you can say, Lord, I'll just do whatever it takes. I want you to handle this. Amen. When David one time did reach down and cut the skirt of Saul, the Bible says his heart smote him within because he knew he had touched the anointed of God. Can I tell you today, 
today, it's not worth it. It's not worth it for you to get that blood on your hands. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And so you just say, I'm going to back out. David said, I'll move into the land of my enemy. And if I live the rest of my life there, I'm going to live there until God takes care of the situation. I'm going to tell you this morning that God can work it all out. God can work while we're sleeping. God can reach when our arms have, have reached their limit. God, his mercy, his grace, his grace. It was all a matter of trust. It was trust that God could and would protect him. It was also trust that God would take vengeance on a man who was trying to destroy him. In the end, that's exactly what happened to Saul. He was destroyed. This resulted in David ascending to the throne. And so remember this, no one can stop the hand of God. They may frustrate the will of God. They may frustrate the work of God. But ultimately, God is going to have his outcome. It would be impossible and perhaps even unfair to speak about David without acknowledging his failures. And so I want to speak for just a few moments, not to highlight sin, nor is this an attempt to, to uh, put any mark of approval on failure but it is an intricate part of the storyline concerning the life of David. When we look at David, we see clearly, we see one thing clearly. This makes us a little uncomfortable, but we see one thing clearly. Even godly people fail. I mean, we want to put somebody on a pedestal and we want to make sure that nothing ever, no flaws, nothing is ever wrong. But one thing we do know, even godly people can fail. They don't have to, but godly people can fail. David was a man whose whole life, if you think about it with me for just a moment, David was a man whose whole life was just filled with great paradoxes. Think about this for just a moment. Here was David, a man who spent a lot of his life, even his young life, out in the open fields tending to sheep. And so, here was a man with, I mean, you know, he had callous hands and he, he, was, he was not afraid of hard work. He, if, you're a, if you're knowing anything about the agricultural life, no matter what aspect of it is, there's nothing about it that's easy. It's all hands-on. And so David was not afraid of hard work at all, but yet he was also comfortable picking up a heart and writing a song. And, and you know, some of the, some of the, you know, some of the, uh, the Psalms of David and some of the things that he writes is not, is not all that masculine. I'm trying to figure out a better way to say it, but it's just the way it is. <laughs> Am I, is that kind of fair? I mean, and I'm not trying to say that it was effeminate either, but I mean, but David was, he was just kind of out there passionate, just wasn't afraid to show his feelings at all. That's better? <laughs> okay, I, I found the groove. <clears throat> And so here, here was this man who was not afraid to stand out in the sun. He was not afraid to stand in the driving rain. He was not afraid to work out doors and get whatever needed to be done, get it all taken care of. But he also wasn't ashamed to let his feelings show and, 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 to, and to be emotional. He wasn't ashamed to cry. He wasn't ashamed to tell the Lord just how he felt. It just seems odd to see these two things shoehorned into the same life. David was a man that was, that was so gifted at writing songs, but he was just that gifted at going to battle. <laughs> I mean, you just don't normally find those two joined together. I mean, you would think that a man that, that was that 
adept at battle and that adept at war and with calluses that thick on his hands just wouldn't know how to pick up a pen and write some flowing words. David was a man of war, a man of blood. But the Bible says he was also a man after God's own heart. It's kind of confusing. I mean, are we talking about the same guy? I mean, the man who knows David as only a songwriter is listening to another man in the restaurant talk about a man that only knows about David as a man of war, and they has no idea they're talking about the same man. And so his whole life is filled with this paradox. While David was a spiritual man, it also behooves us to understand this. David was no pushover. Don't mess with him. He knows how to set down the pen, <laughs> and he knows how to take up the sword. And so don't mess with him. Don't mess with him. I wouldn't make fun of his songs if I were you. Don't grin too big when he's playing the harp because he knows how to set it down. <laughs> he was no pushover. He was a warrior without equal. The people have said of him, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. David was a strong man. David was a leader of men. David was a man <laughs> that anybody would feel safe walking beside. Isn't that, men, stay with me here just a moment. Isn't that one thing you would desire of your own self, that everybody would feel safe in your presence? Yeah. That you, you know, everybody can't be six foot four and 250 pounds and be all chiseled out. Let me, let me tell an old story. <laughs> we were at a conference one year, and, and so we decided to stay over one day longer and uh, just kind of see the city that we were in. And so this will date how long ago this has been. But So we, instead of leaving Friday, we left Saturday and came home. And as we were checking out of the hotel in Cincinnati, the Houston Oilers were coming in to play the Cincinnati Bengals. And so we were standing there checking out, and all of a sudden, this busloads of, of, of NFL football players start walking in there. And I felt, honestly, like I was standing behind the counter like this at first. And then all of a sudden, I felt like I was standing behind the counter like this. <laughs> I wanted to cover my wife's eyes. I didn't want her to realize <clears throat> that this particular species can grow into that. I didn't want her, <laughs> I didn't want her to know. I didn't want her to know that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, she has come crawling to me on more than one occasion. You, you do know that. Don't, don't you ever doubt that. She's crawled more than one time and said, get out from under that bed and fight like a man. I'm so sorry, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> I'm not even sure where, I'm not, not even sure how I got into that. So to all of our young 
men on the Manna team, this is why you have notes. Don't just bring them, use them. They keep you out of, they'll keep you out of trouble. <laughs> Even though David was this man who could do so many things and seemingly play so many roles, yet David was also a man who had severe, a season of severe moral and ethical lapses. I realize that many of you know the story, but bear with me one more time. In a season of time when kings went to battle, David stayed home. It just seemed like one decision, one bad decision always leads to another bad decision unless we take time to turn that around. Instead of assuming his leadership role, he just said, I'll linger around the palace. While walking on the palace rooftop, he saw a beautiful woman. Instead of turning his head and walking away, he chose to stand and stare, and it gave birth to something in his heart. And because David had the power to do it, he summoned her to the palace, and his life went into an unbelievable freefall. To his dismay, he later found out that she was carrying his child. Sin had found him out. He tried to cover it up, but to no avail. Ultimately, this sin led to lies and more lies and finally to murder, the murder of an innocent man who, by the way, had his own March death papers in his hand. <sighs> Think about it. His sin began with him being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so that gives birth to a lot of questions. David why weren't you in the battle? And why didn't you run when you were tempted? Why didn't you self, show self-control and remain righteous? And I'm confident these questions and many more were questions that plagued the mind of David night after night after night. While this became a significant season in his life, hear me now, thank God it didn't become the defining season of his life. God gave him enough time, enough space at the end to write another chapter. Can I tell you today that God in his mercy has done the same for so many that are sitting here today? I'll promise you, there's not many, if any, in this building that would want to reach under the blood and pull out some skeletons. I'm thankful that God gave some space to write another chapter. And I tell you today that God not only has done that in the past, but he longs to do that even in our future. I certainly don't want to soft soap the issue of something as serious as adultery and murder. When we read the life of David, we must never omit the consequences of that one single decision. Hear me, please hear me. I don't want to preach grace to the point that it becomes disgrace because David paid a supreme price for this, in, this moment of indecision. In closing, as our musicians come, the last thing that I want to leave with you today is this. That even though sins and failures and our misjudgments have consequences, I'm so thankful to know that God still loves and still restores those who know how to repent. Don't ever forget how to say, I'm sorry and mean it. <laughs> to stand broken before God and say, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but not just my sin, but my sin and iniquity. 
Not just sins of action and deed, but sins of thought and intent. You know, we are made out of some material with this Adamic nature. And I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable here. But I'm going to tell you that with very few exceptions, if any, every man or woman in this building has thought things that were evil. I don't mean just a little tainted gray. I mean just a little bit off color. And we've sometimes even been shocked by thinking, where in the world? Where, where in the world did that come from? You know, I'm, I'm not trying to open a Pandora's box here, but, you know, people say that you, that you dream about things that are on, that are on your subconscious or whatever. I, I want to kind of debate that because I've had dreams of, about things sometimes that, I mean, were so troubling to me. Very, very troubling to me. And, and, and I, I just, you just want to get up and just, oh, God, wash me and cleanse me. Where does that come from, that sin nature? It is there in all of us. Yes, it is. It's frightening. It is frightening to think of how close we are to that carnal man. And so here is David now standing at this place. And, and again, Nathan the prophet comes to David. It wasn't a surprise to David. David, a man after God's own heart, it wasn't a surprise to David that he had sinned. Never think that Nathan the prophet was coming to David with a a sermon that was going to kind of open his eyes and take the scales off. No, no, no. David knew in his heart this is wrong, 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 wrong. Nothing could be further from the truth. David knew that he had sinned against God. However, when Nathan got through talking to him, I do believe the true weight of what he did come crushing in. And to his credit, David didn't try to shift the blame or avoid responsibility of what had happened. Instead, he confessed his sins to God and God began to cleanse and wash him and make him whole. And so to our young people today and to everyone sitting here, I want to say, don't, when you fail, don't stand in the dust of your failure. But get up and call on the only one that can do anything about it. Amen. David said in the 51st Psalm, I acknowledge my transgression. David said this, my sin is ever before me. Not before God, because God blots it out. But David said, I've done something that I'll never be able to get away from. It'll ever be before me. And so when David stood and looked at himself in the mirror, he realized in that reflection, he saw all of his past. He saw Uriah. He saw Bathsheba. He saw that baby when it drew its last breath. He saw the funeral procession. He saw it all. My sin is ever before me. I think it's entirely possible that, that from, from that moment in his life, every time David saw a young child, it reminded him of that moment. My sin is ever before me. David said in the 51st Psalm, this was his cry and his prayer of repentance, Psalms 51, 1 and 2. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy love and kindness, according unto thy multi- unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Oh, God, erase this. 
Wash me truly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. God judged David, but in the midst of God's judgment, his grace flowed freely. His sin was forgiven. Grace was extended. And that is the power of confession. The power of confession. Amen. He said if we would confess our sins, what? He would be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So to our graduates today, I want to say this. Don't forget David. We see him succeed and we see him fail in all points in between. But one thing we always find consistent about him is he never forgot where to turn. And so to this church at large, I will say to you today, don't forget David. We watched him high, we watched him low, but he always remembered where to turn when the chips were down. It's an honor today, and I am very, very thankful for Jerrica and JT and Corey. It is not an easy thing. It doesn't happen without intention to be able to travel through all of the years of their youth, to get an education that means something in this world. It means something. So we're very honored that they are here. And today, we want this day to be special and significant. I, I give them the opportunity to speak today, and they're going to do that. I have asked them to keep it under 45 minutes apiece. I don't think that's going to be an issue. And so I'm going to ask, since we have a lady, I'm going to ask ladies first. I'm going to ask Jerrica if she will, and you, you guys come on with her if you will. And um, we appreciate them. It doesn't happen without a lot of effort, a lot of work. And so I appreciate the fact that they have succeeded in this point of their life. But as everyone sitting here today who's already crossed this divide, you realize this, it is just the closing of one chapter and the beginning of many, many more. And so our prayers are with them. They're going to speak, they're going to say something to you that's on their heart, and then I'm going to ask them to step down front, and we're going to have prayer with them and ask God to just keep his hand on them as they make their way through life. Praise the Lord. I first want to start by thanking this church family for always supporting me in everything that I have ever done. I thank you for your prayers. They mean more to me than you'll ever know. I thank God for a praying church family, and that's something I'm very blessed with. This is the only church that I've ever known. I am truly honored and blessed to call HAC my home. The past 13 years have flown by, and it seems like only yesterday I was running around on the playground while Mom and Sister Boyd were decorating for some kind of event we were having. (laughs) I thank God for being blessed with parents that taught me to love God with all of my heart and and the value of being in the house of the Lord every chance I can get. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I thank God for my parents, and I thank them for showing me where to, be, where to turn and instilling me the importance of living a holy life. They've, they've shown that time is well spent when serving the kingdom of God. Sister Boyd, I thank God for the best example of a godly, holy, anointed woman of God I could ever ask for. You have truly taught me what it means, what that means, and I thank God for you every day. Brother Boyd, all I can say is wow. 
You've never failed to teach, challenge, and love me, even if being my pastor meant receiving tons of jokes, ragging, and assortment of Superman memorabilia. <laughs> I, think, I thank you for letting me be your niece, even if it was only for one week a year at church camp, either to bribe my way into the big house or to use the tab at the snack shack. <laughs> the tab at the snack shack. You're pretty cool, I'm just saying. <laughs> Justin and Sarah, my youth pastors, you have always supported me, taking me to youth rallies, conferences, and whatever else I decided at the last minute that I wanted to go to. <laughs> Sarah, I'm sorry for mine and Justin's uniquely similar behaviors. You've done a pretty good job putting up with us. They say it takes a village to raise a child, and I'm so blessed to have HAC as my village. Once again, I want to thank everyone, and I love you all so very much. Wow. I just, uh, I, I wanted that little girl that came up here and uh, said Psalms 23. That takes a lot of nerve. And I mean, yes. a lot of people actually don't realize how, uh, how awesome it is for a little kid to come up here and do that. That's the truth. I remember when I was a little kid, I stood right here and I sang, I've got more to go to heaven for than I had yesterday. Yeah. And then a couple years later, I came right over here. And I said the gifts of the Spirit. And every time, my knees were just like this. <laughs> and, you know, as I've grown older, and I look past on my years, especially through high school, you know, they've gone by so fast. And, I mean, it's 13 years that I'm never going to get back. But, I, but as I look back on my high school career, it's just crazy how fast years have actually gone by. In fact, the three of us that are graduating, we've been together since the start. We, uh, we actually were in the same kindergarten. And... Um, you know, we graduated then, and now we're graduating now. And uh, from walking in, into kindergarten for the very first time to walking across the stage and receiving my diploma Friday, it's <sighs> the past 13 years have been a ride, to say the least. I've had both good times, and I've had both bad times. I've laughed, and I've cried, and I've learned many lessons both inside and outside the classroom. Yet, as excited as I am to begin a new chapter in my life, I still wish I could go back. And it's sad to think that the last 13 years of my life are over, that I'll never walk the halls of Lafette High School again. As a student, that I'll never see most of my best friends, and most importantly, that life is never going to be as easy as it was in high school. But as one door closes, God has opened up a new one for me. In February, I was accepted into the University of Florida, and it's there where I will, uh, that I plan to pursue my degree. Um, and hopefully the next time I wear a cap and, a cap and gown that I hated so much, I'll be wearing blue instead of red. Um, from there, I will go back to school and pursue a career in physical therapy or orthopedics. And there's a long road ahead of me, but the Bible says that I can do all things through, through Christ who strengthens me. I know that I always haven't been as close to the Lord as I should be. And as a human being, we all struggle with different th things. Yet I feel like I've always felt the hand of God leading me. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. I know that if I trust in God, that he'll lead me where he wants me to be. Yes. He's given me many talents that I can take advantage of. And with these talents and abilities, I'll be able to be, or bring him the glory that he deserves. I never thought that I'd be going to UF after high school. In fact, this time last year, I was actually planning to go into the military. Um, but as things happened, I tore my ACL and I wasn't allowed to do that. So I decided to set new goals in front of me. Um, at the beginning of this year, I was going to be an FFA state officer. That's what I wanted to do. But God closed that door and said, that's not the right path for you to go to. 
and now I'm going to be attending one of the best schools in Florida. And God has closed doors that I thought that I should walk into. And it's not the first time, and it's definitely not going to be the last time. I'm sure he's going to do it more times in the future. But just as I plan my way, God determines my steps, just as he will today and just as he will tomorrow. I have many people to thank, especially my parents, for always supporting me and loving me going through life. I have Miss Vivian Osborne, but everyone knows her, or everyone knows her as Momo. <laughs> and um, she kept me, whenever I was younger than Kaylin sitting right there, to the man I am today. And um, I just want to thank her for everything she's done for me, for being that voice of God that I've always needed in my life. To Justin and Sarah, I thank y'all for always being there for me as well. Sarah, I know this is probably a sad time for you, considering that you carried me on your hip and that I rode your little bicycle all the way around. But um, I thank you guys for always being there for me, and especially being there whenever I need somebody to talk to. Um, Uncle Everett and Aunt Cricket, I always thank you for um, just being that anchor whenever I, I was swaying away. Um, for someone that there was, or for someone that, that was always there for me whenever I needed a hand or needed touch from God, and always reminding me that I had a path to walk, and that right. um, whatever I wanted was maybe not be what God wanted. Um, there's many people here to thank, but those three people have played some of you know the most important roles in my life, and I want to thank them for everything they've done for me. Thank you, guys. Amen. Awesome. Unlike my other graduates, I didn't write a speech. (laughs) (laughs) But I'd like to thank the church family as a whole, and I thank all the role models for showing us the way. I'd like to thank my parents for showing me how to be a better man. I'd like to thank God for making me the man who I am. Amen. And for Sarah, just go home, Sarah. Just go home. What? Thank you. Amen. Thank you, I'm going to ask them if they will to come to the front, and we're going to stand as a congregation, and we're going to ask the Lord to just anoint their path and their future. We certainly understand one thing about life, and that is that it is very uncertain. And what we think we're going to do doesn't always happen. Sometimes it leads us to a better road, a better place. And then sometimes those paths lead us down roads where we really have to adjust ourselves. And we really have to depend on the hand of God to walk us through those particular journeys or that particular part of the journey. So I'm going to ask the parents, if they will, to join us. And we're just going to pray and ask the Lord to touch them and keep them. This is not the end by any stretch of imagination. So many ways, it's just the beginning. There's a certain sadness because your lives have been pretty much stamped out for the last many years. You knew exactly what time you were going to be doing this and this and this and this. And now life is packaged with a little more uncertainty. But the same God that kept you then will keep you now. Amen. I wonder if this congregation would just reach your hands this way. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.